the Theonauts podcast episode 39. The one where two or more are gathered in his name, right? The Theonauts podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo, not astro, not astrophysics, physical education, educated uh, guesses. <laughs> guesses. <laughs> I've been watching Jimmy Fallon too. Whoa! <laughs> How far were you going with that one? <laughs> I don't know, but I am David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr, and together we are the, the Theo Nots. And man, our levels are still really high. Heck yeah! Well, everything's high in the studio today. Yes. I mean, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't even listening to what you were saying. I was just agreeing. It's like, yes. yes. Oh, and it feels so good. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so how you doing, Dave? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. My, my, my face is feeling normal again. Good. No more pain? No, not really. I mean, well, I'm still on ibuprofen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in the stuff. <laughs> but as long as I'm ibuprofen, I'm fine. <laughs> awesome. That's good. That's good. No, actually, it's getting better. So You're not as swollen as you were last time. No. That's no, good. no, no. It's, it's, it's much better. You look like a dilapidated chipmunk the last time I saw you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, and you sound like you can actually breathe. I can. It's much better. <laughs> <sighs> that was great. So you've been crawling around in the attic this morning? Yeah, I have. Uh <laughs> I completely rewired the church's sound system this week. I redid everything, and uh, so it sounds pretty good. Pretty good, I'd say. You know? <laughs> Except awesome. for I got out of the sound booth and the computer crashed, so now I'm rebooting the sound sound booth computer. It's you know it's been a fun week for me. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we're uh, we're getting ready for the. Haiti trip. Yeah, we're gearing up for it, man. I so, can't wait. And you're on board, right? Yes, I'm, All right. I'm on board. So 100%. the Theo Knots will be broadcasting live from Haiti. From Haiti. <laughs> Maybe. With, with little Haitians <laughs> running around. We'll have to record something. I'll bring my phone. And we'll. That'll be awesome. <laughs> we'll do something down we there. Could, uh, we could interview uh, John. Is it John? Yeah, Pastor John. Pastor John. That'd be fun. Yeah. That, that, he would. Uh, he's He's... He's a really nice guy. Yeah. We interviewed um, a Haitian man over there one time named Alexi and recorded that. And that was that was pretty good. Of course, it had to go through a translator. Yeah. But he kind of told, you know, where his heart was for Christ and stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. But yeah, okay, so here's a new thing that we're really excited about. Okay. The uh, and, and you're probably going to opt out on this part of it, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not as hardcore as you are yet. So here's what we're doing. We're, we're, we've, we've been helping in this little town uh, called Merge, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's outside of the Port-au-Prince area, about 45 miles, or 45 minutes. So um, it's pretty laid back. It's not too hard of, of a mission trip at all. Right. It's, it's, as far as Haiti goes, Haiti's kind of tough anyway, but this is... This is not too bad. Right. Okay, so uh, we're going to bring the team in and do some things there that we normally do. 
<clears throat> for like three days. And then uh, half the team is going to come on back to the States. And the rest of us, we're going to go over to explore some uh, territory we haven't actually visited yet. Uh, there's an island off the coast of Haiti, or it actually is part of Haiti. Uh, it's in the it's in the Bay Area, and it's called Lagonave, and it is the poorest part of Haiti. Right. And you know, back in the day, that's where they sent all the degenerates and the people they didn't like or didn't want the sick people. You know, they just kind of shipped them off over there. Right. And so, what we're going to do is one of the guys we've been working with on a regular basis is now planted a church there. And so we're going to go over there and help him in any way we can. Uh, but they're telling me uh, there's no real facilities. There's no real transportation. They're, we're going to be walking everywhere. There's no toilets. They're digging pits for us. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> so it's going to be very primitive, very rough. But, Hardcore. Uh, but it will be really good. We, we'll, we'll get a chance to... Uh, to hopefully um, help the people there evangelize a little bit, uh, maybe help work on the, the building, the church building. So it, it'll be it'll be fun. I mean, we'll we'll do some cool stuff. I'm real excited about it. Awesome! I'd, I'd love to hear about that when you come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you never can tell though. I mean, you could just like sneak under the radar and come on over there with us. You I know? could. Yeah. But then you get trouble when you got home. Right. Serious trouble. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it'd be great. But. That's awesome, man. I can't wait. I'm, I'm gearing up for it. Really excited in the process of kind of raising some uh, fundage for it. So it should be good. But yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, anyways. Cool. Well, you want to play some trivia? Uh, yeah, trivia. Theo Trivia. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. All right. Yes, all right. yes, 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 y'all. And it don't stop. <laughs> One, two, two, three. Okay. All right. You go first this time. So you're gonna you're gonna quiz me first. I'm gonna quiz you first. What would you like? <clears throat> well, let's go with the letters, numbers, and sequences again. Okay. Oh my gosh, this is so easy. <laughs> What book follows Joshua in the Bible? <laughs> I don't think he knows this one. No, nope. I think I've totally stumped I'm him. Struggling with he, it. He uh, he can't figure it out. Okay, judges. <laughs> oh, you're so <laughs> right. That and, was too easy. Yeah, you know, and uh, what was that? Back in the eighties, there was an album, and the and the title of the of the album was Joshua Judges Ruth. <laughs> I just thought that was really cool. Okay, in the nineties, there was a Newsboys song called "Take Me to Your Leader." And oh part yeah, of the yeah. lyrics were Joshua Judges Her Ruthlessly on account of Ruth. Walking. I had that in my mind, and that planted me. Newsboys, yeah. <laughs> Help me go news, boys. Anyways, I will do the same thing. Oh, okay. Mine's going to be harder. Letters, numbers, and sequences. Yep. Let's see. (laughs) Okay. Okay. One good turn deserves another. All right. (laughs) Which book follows the book of Ruth? (laughs) 
All right, what you got? First Samuel. Am I right? <laughs> yes, you are. Right. Okay. <laughs> you made me I second guess already, myself. No, I was already looking. I'm through. Like, uh, <laughs> I was already looking through the, through the cards for the next go around. Okay. Right. So, okay, so uh, okay, let's do. Um, what is in? That's um, names. Necrophilia. I think. <laughs> no, it's not necrophilia. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm, what was that? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm full of it today. I don't know why. I'm just in. I'm thinking, wow. Mm. We've just totally lost the. <laughs> The wheels just came off of I you apologize. In a hurry. I apologize. Please, <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Okay. You want in? Yes. What is in stand for again? Names. Names. Okay. <laughs> Your face is all red. <laughs> Why is it all red? Okay. Okay. Um, what was the name of Jonathan's five year old crippled son? Mephibosheth. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. Woo! David had mercy on Mephibosheth. Yes. Yes. All right. Picture of God in us. <laughs> it's a great story. You ever heard that preached? That's the one that was dropped on his head, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's come up a couple of times. That's this. right. Okay, so um, well, which one you want? Let's do... Uh, oh, man. My cards are all messed up here. What's HG? <laughs> History and Geography. Let's try that. All right. Um, well, okay, this is not scriptural, but we'll see how it goes. Oh, great. Well, it's history. We did church history, and we did like a full thing on it. Okay, bring it on. Okay. According to church tradition, which apostle's symbol is a fish lying on a cross? Okay. The, their symbol is a fish lying on now, a cross. Now, here's my thing. Peter is a P with an X on the bottom of it, right? Th- that's the Chi-Ro you're talking about. The Chi-Ro. No, that's I, not, I thought that was Peter's symbol. I don't think so. It's a symbol of the Pope, isn't it? <laughs> the Chi-Ro is just a Christian symbol. All right, I'm going to say Peter. Because uh, he was a fisherman. Simon, no. not Peter. Simon, not Peter. Yeah, so the other Simon. How do you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's I, just what it says right here. I, I don't think it that says card's Simon correct. in parentheses, not Peter. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Because I knew that was what that, would come you up. Cheated. Doesn't yep. count. All I right. Cheated. And now the news. So this is what's happening in the news today. Yes, bring it up. All right. Bring it on. This is actually really interesting. This is from Fox News. It posted about 11 hours ago, but it's been blowing up the internet. A team of researchers made a surprising find when examining a papyrus-wrapped mummy mask. They found what they believe to be the oldest known copy of the gospel of a gospel in existence. Cool. The research found a fragment of the gospel of Mark that dates back to around uh, 90 AD. Wow. Yeah. 
That's crazy. In the insane. So basically, um, previously the oldest surviving copies of biblical texts take back to like 101 to 200. Right. So this is like <clears throat> predating it by at least 10 years. Pretty significant. Yeah, well, this is only, I think uh, Mark was written in like 50. Right. So that's... 40 years difference. Just a little yeah. uh, hand different. So basically what they found was, I guess mummies, not like uh, the real rich mummies, but some mummies, whenever they were rasped with papyrus, they mm-hmm. used just shards of, of fragments of stuff that they had already had around. And so for the mask, they've been separating the this mummy mask to find oh. what's written on the papyrus. Wow. And one of the things was... <laughs> Someone... Somebody used a part used of the Bible. Yeah, a part of this, <laughs> the book of Mark uh, to write it. So, anyways, wow. um, they're they're working on it now to validate. But if it if it is validated, this would, I mean, be huge for uh, uh, biblical archaeology because it's the earliest dated. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Manuscript. It'd be interesting to see which manuscript it aligns with because there's a huge like we oh, talked yeah. about in our translation thing there's this huge divide between the alexandrian text right. and the majority text right and uh, <laughs> it would be and of course the alexandrian text are always trumpeted because they're older sure. but you know we always said older is not always better that's right but we'll see here if uh the scrap they used yeah. to wrap the mummy's face <laughs> actually jives with uh, yeah. the Alexandrian or the other one. The way they the way they dated it was uh, they had it with other scraps of paper that that were dated. Oh, you know what it, would so. be so awesome is if it contained the last few verses of Mark. Oh my goodness, that would blow everything yes, away. Be, it, yeah. yeah, because that's what there's that's always been a contentious Yeah, they cut it out because of the Alexandrian text. Right, because it's not in the Alexandrian text. Right. So wow, that would be awesome. <laughs> the, <laughs> Oops. They would change everything. Well we know about that'd be so cool. I hope it is. But anyway, so keep your ear to the ground on that one. It's gonna be a pretty cool uh, new story. All right. Um <coughs> let's see Barna came out with a new report. I love doing Barna reports. They're pretty fun. Okay. Um, this Barna report uh, talked about um, states uh, slash state slash cities um, that read the Bible the most versus state slash cities that read the Bible the least. Oh, okay. So uh, basically, it's a um, they did the top ten and the bottom ten. And of course, you can guess the Bible Belt won out over everybody, <laughs> like always. Um, but Texas, where's Texas fit in? <laughs> They're not even ranked. What? They're not in the top Get ten. Out. I'm not even joking. All right, top ten. Here we go. Ready? I need a drum roll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little Rock, Arkansas, made ten. Little Rock, really? <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Little Rock, Rockefeller, <laughs> Feller. No, go ahead. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, Jimmy, calm down over there. <laughs> Not Jimmy. What's his name? Yeah, this is Jimmy Fallon. That's right. I always think Jimmy Kimmel instead of Jimmy Fallon for some reason. I don't know. Okay, no, number nine, Greenville, South Carolina. Eight, Charlotte, North Carolina. Six, or no, seven, Jackson, Mississippi. 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 <laughs> Six, Springfield, Missouri. Five, Shreveport, Louisiana. Four. Shreveport, yeah, wow, Shreveport beat Texas. Well, it's because they're they're preaching to the casinos over there. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> Four, Roanoke, Virginia. That's okay. interesting. 
Uh, three, the Tri Cities, Tennessee. Two, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And number one, Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama. That's right. Representing. And this is where we read our Bibles every day. And the question was posed uh, How often have you read your Bible in the past week? Alabama had the most times. So. Oh, gotcha. So it's, it looks like um, Brendan and Michael made the list there. Yeah, they did. Where are they at? Well, they're up Tennessee. They're up in there in that area, somewhere over there. Yeah, you're talking about Nashville, Memphis, that whole yeah, that yeah, whole thing, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> the bottom of the list coming in at 91, New York, 92, <laughs> San Diego, or Los Angeles, <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> number three, Buffalo, New York. Read your Bible, Buffalo. Number <laughs> 94, uh, New Haven, Connecticut. 95, Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, wow. 96, they're just burning. They're yeah. burning. Okay. Reno. <laughs> 96, no. Uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been there. Iowa. Yeah, that's a pretty sad place. 97, San Francisco. <laughs> 90, 98, Boston, Mass. you think we have any listeners in San Francisco? Probably not. Hopefully not. I, you know, if I'm, I apologize if we do. Okay, number 99, Albany, New York, and 100 with a bullet, Providence, Rhode Island. Wow. Oh, actually, it tied. Providence, Rhode Island, and New Bedford, Mass. Oh, okay. Massachusetts. Man, those New England... People, they just don't get it, do they? They don't like their Bibles, yeah. which is really interesting because Rhode Island was originally like a a beacon for religious freedom, right? So that's interesting. Anyways, cool. So, so there you know, there you go. Thank you, you can, Barna. Uh, yeah, you can move to your uh, Bible capital of the world, Birmingham. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know some people from there. I do too. Yeah, I do. I have some good people. From yeah, there. they're great. They read their Bibles. <laughs> President Obama <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> I'm trying to get to my third lesson or third story today. Okay. President Barack Obama met on Wednesday with Nag uh, Nagma uh, Abdini. With, with who? Nagma Abdini. She's the wife of the imprisoned pastor Saeed. Oh, 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 yes. Abdini. Okay, how did that turn out? Um <clears throat> well, it was pretty Awesome, I guess. He met with them. Uh, Since he's been ignoring this issue for the entire so long. time. Yeah. Right. Uh, he met with her and her two children in Boise, Idaho. She found out basically that he would he is, he would be traveling through Idaho. And so she sent him a letter and said, listen, I really need to meet with you. Uh, this is a big deal. And so he actually opted to meet with them. They met um, at Idaho State University, mm-hmm. in a room at Idaho State University. And the president... This is what she says about him. The president was focused and gracious, showing concern to me and my children. Um, I know that this meeting could have not occurred without prayer, and I'm grateful to the many people around the country and the world who continue to pray for Saeed's release. Um, if you've lived under a rock for the past few years, don't know about Saeed. Saeed, was a pa- he's a pastor um, who was born in Iran, uh, moved to the United States and and got his American citizenship. Went back and was working in an orphanage in Iran. Whenever he was uh, 
captured, placed in prison, and he's serving an eight-year sentence basically for being a Christian. Mm. And so um, he's been there two years now. This is right. uh, since uh, September 2012. Um, so during the meeting... Um, Obama promised six-year-old Jacob and eight-year-old Rebecca that he would do all that he could to bring their father home. Um, Jacob said, uh, will you promise to bring my dad home before um, my birthday? And and Obama said, when's your birthday? And he said, March something. <laughs> and, uh, and Obama said, I promise to do everything I can to have your dad home by your birthday. Wow. So I guess he's taking this seriously. We'll see what happens in the in the near future um i'm guessing just a phone call is not going to do it no they're gonna have to do something drastic so um, have to go vacation over there or something definitely (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) definitely so anyways um so you know continue to pray for pastor saeed and that family that's unbelievable you know definitely uh shocking story but it's kind of awesome that our president met with her. That's, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, got to give him kudos for that. Yeah. That's all I got today. All right. So, today, all right. <clears throat> the topic of discussion oh, yeah. is quit messing those scriptures up. <laughs> I don't know what uh, misusing scriptures. Um, <laughs> our very first podcast was about understanding the Bible, knowing how to understand it. Was how, it? Yeah, wow. how to read it, how to interpret it, all that sort of thing. Has it been a year yet? By and, the way, uh, not quite. Not quite. We're close to it. Aren't we're we? get. We're getting there. It, <laughs> I, I think we started in March. I think. Yeah. So. Wow. <clears throat> and so now today we've come full swing and we're studying. How we've screwed up the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so some of those those passages that have been uh, misread and well, mis- we are, misused. You know, we as a society, we love to take Bible take the Bible, pick it apart according to its verses, and put like write flowery flowery plaques and put them up on our walls oh, yeah. and do all this oh, yeah. other stuff with it. And that's understandable. I mean, the Bible is inspirational. It has a lot of great quotes in there. I mean, it's the Bible. But in the process of doing that, a lot of times when we pick it apart like that, what we end up doing is mis, mis- um, understanding it because we take it out of context. Correct. Which is a really, you know, it's actually a dangerous thing to do in a lot of ways. Uh, it can actually lead to people rejecting Scripture altogether, or it can lead to total misunderstandings in theology. So right. uh, so we went through, we picked out our favorite misunderstandings <laughs> of the Bible. And there, are, there are lots. Oh, yeah, there's tons. I found it very interesting that as we were, as I was Googling, uh, to find what other what bloggers and that sort of thing considered yeah. the the most misused scriptures, they they all had the same five, right? Or pretty close to it. It mostly had to do with prosperity gospel stuff, oh, yeah. and, and we probably have one or two in our list. But um, but there are so many more, and so many that are just subtly misused. Yeah, where where it's like, well, almost. But not quite, right? Um, and and so you know, there's a few of those. Um, but I, I think you know, we've talked about this before that the simple breaking of the scriptures into chapters and verses has really, although it is handy to go find the verse you're looking for, 
it has been detrimental to the way we view the Bible Amen, and the right. way we use the Bible. Yeah. And um, yeah, we can't do that. We can't just break the Bible up and take a verse at a time and go and pull it out of its context. No, it's like you and I have a conversation, an hour-long conversation, and if you were to take one sentence out of that conversation, pull it out of the context, and just put it up there, you know, yeah. out there for everybody to hear, uh, it's open to all different types. Yeah, of San Francisco would be ready to come down here and oh, just yeah. kill us. Totally. <laughs> So, so, but they might have reason to. Okay, I'm just saying. Anyways. Okay, so there is this um, this this commonly used example, and I'm gonna it's a cliche, it's cliche I know, yeah. but I'm gonna use it anyway because I think it's funny. Bring it on. But you know, there's that the, the, the saying that you know the guy opened this the guy was really wanting to know what God wanted was leading him, <laughs> and and so he just opened up his Bible a random place and he decided, okay, I'm just gonna put my finger on a random verse and listen to what God's trying to tell me. So he opens up the Bible, he puts his finger down there, and it says Judas went and hanged himself. <laughs> so he's like, wait a second, that can't be right. So he closes the Bible and he flips it around a couple times, opens it up again, and he sticks his finger on the verse and it says, Go and do thou likewise. <laughs> and he's like, oh no 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 no. He closes the Bible again and opens it up, and he puts his finger on the verse and says, "What thou doest, do quickly." <laughs> <laughs> so he flips a few pages and he, he he just with his eyes closed puts his hand on another verse and it says, "As many as do these things shall inherit eternal life." <laughs> so all of a sudden, so great. a new doctrine is born. Yeah. Right, hanging yourself is a way to God. That's right. Because um, <laughs> it says right there, and that's really extreme, but not too far off the mark. That's right. It's just hyperbole yeah. of what we're talking about because right. we do the same thing just not to such an extreme right uh, well thing. i mean case in point last night in our uh, in our in our uh, exchange we we had a a lady <laughs> text both of us and ask us about John the Baptist. Oh, right? that's right. That was a fun conversation. Yeah, it was really neat. And uh, <laughs> brought up the idea that John was somehow, you know, being chastised or punished by Jesus. When Jesus says, uh, I tell you the truth, there's not been a man born a woman the likes of John the Baptist, but even so, uh, the least, the, in the least kingdom. in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than him. Right, right. right. And Did so, you come to hear a reed in the wind? Right, you know that little and, and that so, slammed him. And her question was, "Well, is Jesus getting on to John the Baptist? Right. What, what's going on here?" Even her Bible had a heading above this. Yeah, that said, um, "What did it say?" Uh, Jesus or uh, <laughs> some some along the lines <laughs> of like, Jesus uh, rejects the rejects yeah, this John. is John's rejection yeah John's rejection of Jesus <laughs> that's what it was like John would ever reject Jesus Christ right which is nuts wow so anyways but yeah I mean so you take that completely out of context by going oh I guess that you know, that means that John you know either some people might go well I guess that means he ain't going to heaven because right know, right um, and then others go well I guess that Jesus thinks he's a scum of the earth you know right which has that's totally not well what and, and it is worded strangely yes and and it uh, you have to also realize that Jesus is quoting scripture 
right. like more than once in that passage, and he's doing it for a reason. He's doing it because the messengers that came, John was in prison, messengers came, and the messengers had a message to Jesus from John saying, are you really the guy? Right. And Jesus' response was, I have been healing the, the, the blind, I've been feeding the poor, I've been preaching the gospel to the lost. Right. And... Um, He's quoting Isaiah 61. It's the same thing he did in Luke 4, verse 18, where he says, I am appointed to right. do these things. So he knew that by quoting that scripture, John would know what was what was being said. Yeah. And the messengers were, would be able to say, yeah, we saw him do that. Right. And so it was a way of giving John... Just an affirmation for John. Right, right. Go tell him that you saw me do these things, and he prophesied that I would do. Right. And so uh, that would, you know... It was just a reminder. And then he turns to all the people and says, did you come to hear just some guy blowing in the wind, or did you come to hear a prophet? And he's more than a prophet. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like he's not getting on to John at all. In fact, it's the other way around. He's... (coughs) He's telling them, hey, as far as humans go and what yeah. you can do, he's done it. He's he's as best as a man can possibly hope to attain on right. his own. But those in the kingdom have Jesus' righteousness right. gifted to them. Basically what he's saying is, you know, John was basically the last of the Old Testament prophets, the right. last right. of the dying breed. And he's he goes, man, he was he was the it. He was everything, right? Mm-hmm. He was he was man, but by my righteousness, what he did here won't even compare to what right. what's coming. Even so, the even the worst per- person in the church has been given clothed in my righteousness. My righteousness, which is better than John's. Yeah, well, in that that's what that verse means. But people take that again, right? It and that verse didn't even make our list. We just no, it didn't. We just jammed on that one. So sorry about that. But okay. Anyways, we'll go with your list, and then I will fill in. Okay. So I didn't that. put these in any real discernible order. I mean, there's not like a you know ba- worst to best or anything <laughs> like that. They're all bad. Yeah. okay the first one i want to address is one that we both had mentioned and that's in matthew 18 and verse 20 and i'm going to read most of these from the king james version and the reason why is because a lot of the twisting of them happened right when people were primarily reading the king james kjv baby (laughs) and sometimes that right there is 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 the issue, and it's not right. that the King James was bad or wrong or anything like that. It's just that it's Old English, yeah. and a lot of uh, of people here, especially people that maybe weren't you know a hundred years ago, weren't raised with more than an you know an eighth grade education. Yeah, trying to read a four hundred year old text just misunderstood, and that's and that meaning has been passed down. Right. So anyway, Matthew 18 and verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. <laughs> so that verse means if you two people come together, you can have church. Right. Otherwise, church can't happen. That's right. Is that what that verse means? Well, I just love it when the pastors are like, let us pray together because the Bible says, whether two or more are gathered together in my name, though I am in the midst of them like, also. Was it Martin Luther King? <laughs> no, that was my Billy Graham. Did that not sound oh. at all like Billy Graham? That's my Billy Graham. Actually, okay, so I'm writing in the church. I'm writing 
in a car with my dad. Yeah. Who's a steeped pastor, right? He loves <laughs> preaching. And his favorite pastor is on the radio, Charles Stanley. Uh-huh. And Charles Stanley uses this scripture out of context. Just like that. And I just said, wow, he really screwed that one up. My dad's like, oh, I can't believe Charles Stanley. Yes. Don't be don't be hating on Charles. Well, Charles, you got it wrong, buddy. Yeah. So what does it mean? <clears throat> if it doesn't mean that if just two of us are gathered, then his fear is Okay, then us. we have to start by looking at the context of this passage. Right. And, and that context begins, actually it begins way up... Um, uh, a lot earlier, like yeah. the first verse, but uh, just for time's sake, we'll we'll jump up to um, uh, t- 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 verse fifteen. Okay. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, then thou hast gained a brother. Okay. Um, the context is disputes, right, amongst people. Yeah, and. Um, there is uh, to to summarize what this passage basically is saying is if if I did something to you that uh, was not right, we would have words about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, his advice is come to me and tell me about it and let's straighten it out. Right. If we can't straighten it out, we get a few more people involved. Yeah. Under Jewish custom, two or more people constituted. Illegal witnesses. Right. Okay. So if you got two people to hear what we were saying, then they could help us determine, okay, David was in the wrong and he really needs to make restitution to Jeremiah. Right. Okay. And you do. <laughs> and then if that doesn't work, if we're still so hot headed that we can't find the solution, he says to take it before an assembly. Right. Once again, this could have been one of our, our uh, passages on the list. <laughs> It could have been the assembly. <laughs> because the word in in most translations is church. church. And we've talked about how that, that's not a good translation. But the word is assembly. And at the time, that probably would have been synagogue. Right. So it would have been bring everybody together and kind of have a tribunal decision made about this. If you and I, after all of that, can't get it straight, then we must go our separate ways. That's basically what it says. Let Yeah. From your for your uh, from your standpoint, I should be as a heathen or a publican. Okay, <laughs> the translation for that really is Jews didn't associate right. publicans or, or heathens. heathens. That's right. Okay. In other words, you shun. Yeah, shun him. And there, well, there could be even be some debate about whether or not it was an actual shunning. Or whether it was just you know if you guys can't get along don't hang out don't hang out together yeah you know so um, but either way this right. is the context of what's going on and his point is whenever he says for when two or more gathered in my name I'm there with you yeah. is to say okay if you're doing this collectively to try and and solve this problem know that you're not doing it alone then I'm I'm with you too and I'm helping you right. Okay, this has nothing to do with church services. It has nothing to do with prayer meetings. It has nothing to do with any of these things that often it gets used for. Right. And this isn't even a foundational statement. This is just an affirmation to you that, hey, when you do this, I will be in the decision. Right. Because you're doing this collectively. Right. And, of course, that's whenever uh, he also makes this statement for whatever decision you make, 
is going to be made in heaven as well. Right. So, I mean, it's like you're good. Right. If this is the solution you guys come to. Whatever bound on earth is, you know, bound in heaven, whatever is loose on earth, loose in heaven. Basically, what he's saying is, you know, I'm siding here. Yes. And so that's the whole that's the whole premise. It has nothing again, nothing to do. I can I can worship and pray and sing praises to my God without anybody around. And he's there anyway. Right. I mean, it's not like he's not here when there's just one of us. Right. <laughs> we got to have two or this ain't <laughs> Or it doesn't really work. Right. No, that's totally misusing, misusing the passage. Right. That's a good one. Okay. A good, bad <clears throat> passage to misuse. Okay, so you want me to just go through my next one here? Do the next one. <laughs> um, okay, right with you. My next one is Amos. <laughs> you already knew it was coming. <laughs> Amos 3, verse 3. <laughs> now, wait. David, <laughs> how could anybody mistranslate this? Uh, actually, I think I talked about this in chap in episode number one. Yeah, you're gonna get in trouble here. Well, that's fine. So <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so Amos three, yeah. verse three says, "Can two walk together except they be agreed?" No, no. <laughs> this verse has been used to divide brothers of Christ forever. Yeah, man, and people. <laughs> Like if you if we can't agree, uh oh, he's gonna get on a soapbox. Here we go. <laughs> no, if we can't if we can't agree, then we can't walk together. That's right. We can't. That's we that's, just can't. That's fundamentally we. There ain't no way we can walk together if we can't agree. <laughs> Duh. So <laughs> sorry, I get my hillbilly hickish voice whenever I'm being <laughs> stupid. So okay, the solution to this one is just a uh, uh, very simple. Okay, and. <laughs> I know we, we were chatting about this before recording. <laughs> you said something about how all oh, people aren't going to like nope. you on this one. <laughs> that's right. And I said, well, that's just plain stupid. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and so don't take offense to that. I don't I don't mean to insult anybody. <laughs> but you're stupid. I'm sorry. Okay, good. But, but it really is horrible that we have used this verse oh, yeah. for this reason. This verse has nothing to do with that. It's not even close. Right. You All you have to do is read another passage or two to totally break that understanding. And I'm not even going to read another passage yet. Let's just go to another translation because this is a this is better telling you what he's actually saying in the original Hebrew. Okay. Uh, the ESV. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Right. That makes that changes it completely, yeah. right? That's what the meaning actually actually is. is. He's asking a rhetorical question that is an impossibility. Right. He's saying two people can't go somewhere together unless they've already prearranged to right. do it. So if I called, you know, my friend up and I said, "Hey, meet me at the Waffle House for some waffles." That was our prearrangement right. to meet there. Now, if you just showed up at if the I Waffle showed House, up at the Waffle House and well, where's my friend? <laughs> well, you didn't arrange to meet him there. Right. And the point, the context here is this is Amos talking about judgment that's going to happen to, to Israel. Right. And he sets this up in a series of hypothetical questions that all have a no answer. This is one of them. Right. Uh, can two people walk together unless they've agreed to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? <laughs> no. No. Does a bird fall in a snare on the earth when there's no trap? No. No. Does a snare spring up from the ground when it has taken nothing? Uh, no. no. 
Okay, <laughs> so all he's doing, is, all he's doing, is laying out some very right. easy to understand rhetorical questions sure. to basically say. So then, why do you think that God's not going to fulfill His promise of judgment onto you? He has already said He's going to do it, and because He said He's going to do it, it's going to happen. Right. That's the point of the passage. Yeah. It, it, please. So we're going to please this stop one little... using this passage to divide the church. <laughs> Amen. That's right. It's a horrible passage to use, especially, and I've heard it used over and over again. Ugh, it's disgusting. But anyways. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's probably out of all these, that one that one angers me more than. <laughs> okay, pull up pull up one of yours, and then I'll come back to mine. All right, well, let's go with uh, probably one of the most famous that people recognize as being misquoted, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Oh, should I go on to, uh, should I read this in the King James? I don't think it matters. No, <laughs> I think no really matter what doesn't. version you're in, people mess this one up. <laughs> right. And it's not, this one doesn't get so much taken out of context. Is It's just uh, taken, how do you say this? It's, well, it's taken it's, out of context. It's misapplied. Misapplied. There you go. All right, so I'll read it in the, just even in the NIV. Okay. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to proper, prosper you uh, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, one of my favorite memes that's going around on the internet right now is the Willy Wonka meme. Have you <laughs> yeah, seen, I've that? seen that? The guy that's just, uh, <coughs> and I forget his name, the actual actor. He's hilarious. Gene Wilder. Yeah, Gene Wilder. But he's he's looking with this smug, coy little look like you're an idiot. And what he <laughs> says is, uh, so tell me again how... Jeremiah twenty nine eleven applies to you, and then under, <laughs> under, under it it says, uh, "When were you under captivity of Babylon or something like that?" <laughs> right, right, right. And the whole point of that is number one, we need to look at who Jeremiah, uh, who God is talking to through mm-hmm. Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. He's not talking to me in twenty first century America. He's not talking directly, you know, to me at all. He's actually talking to a people group, a full on people group and this people group were the Israelites, the Jews. And what he was saying to them was, even though you are being punished right now, my ultimate result, my ultimate plan Mm -hmm. is to give you a prosperity and a hope and a future. Now, prosperity preachers take this. This is a favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, see that God wants you to have. Yeah. Uh, prosperous, you know, bank account and and a you know and a four hundred one k and God wants you to have that new Cadillac and all that mm-hmm. other stuff. Healthcare insurance, healthcare insurance, because he has <laughs> he has a plan to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. Okay, yeah. Now, even though we can't really truly apply this to ourselves, we can apply the spirit of what it's saying to us. Right. We, I can accept that God does have plans for me, and those plans are for my ultimate good. But that does not mean 
that I am going to suffer. To prosper you. Nowhere, yeah. nowhere does it get, or, or <clears> I'm <throat> not, or I'm going to be prosperous right now. Right. Nowhere in this context does it say that these people are going to be prosperous. I mean, they're in the middle of like the worst captivity yes. ever. In fact, it gets a lot worse <laughs> before oh, yeah. it gets better. That's right. And, and in most of them, probably didn't live to see the prosperity right because that was 70 years of captivity yeah it was painful it was it was it was not a prosperous time for them nobody here in america is dealing with that kind of oppression not nobody that's right so <laughs> and but what you have to do is you have to look to to the end okay and i would i would couple jeremiah 29 11 with actually another verse uh, another verse that i've taken out uh, people <laughs> that you've taken out of context that I've taken out of context. <laughs> Excuse me while I take this out of context. <laughs> um, is it not not Second Chronicles seven fourteen? What is it? I'm thinking of. Um, Turn in their face. No, is that the, that's on your list. For all things work together for the good of those. Oh, who Romans are eight. Romans eight twenty eight. Thank you. Uh, yeah, let's couple that with Romans eight twenty eight, shall we? Mm. Which says, uh, "Hold on, let me pull it up." You can tell I'm really prepared today. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This one, if you look at the KJV versus the NIV, Mm -hmm. it actually changes the meaning a little bit. Um, This actually... This is this is what most people have memorized it in. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. Gotcha. And who, uh, who are called according to his purpose. Okay, so if you look at that, all things work together for the good of them that love God. All things work together for the good. Now, listen to the NIV and see hear the subtle, just the subtle difference. Oh, excuse me. In Ivy. There we go. We know that in all things, God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good. Right. Those who are called according to his purpose. So people take this verse. Let's say that David has cancer. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, David. You have cancer. <laughs> and he's suffering and his family suffering with him. And he knows that soon he's going to die. And I come up to him and I say, David, I just want you to remember Romans 8, 28 and your suffering that, you know, that somehow God is using this, this cancer for the good of you, you. to improve you, to, to benefit you somehow. That is not at all what the scripture is saying. Stop doing that to people who are hurting. Knock it off. That is the worst thing you can tell them. I understand that your little girl died, but God is using this for your benefit. Somewhere down the road, it's going to be a good thing that your little girl died. Right. No. Terrible things happen in this world, and the reason is because of sin and death. God is not the reason for the terrible things of this world. In fact, God is the reason for every good thing in this world. The Bible says that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. It's it is not he is not giving you cancer to make you a, a better person. Better person somehow. <laughs> that is not the point of the scripture. In fact, what it's saying is this. There will be a day at the cum- 
com- uh, how do you say, culmination. Thank mm-hmm. you. At the culmination of all things, whenever this world has passed away and the new kingdom has fully come and fully realized, that it will be your final destination is good. That's what that whole passage is talking about. It means that God is working towards your end, which is glory, which is good, wonderful. Gotcha. So even though you're suffering right now, look to the end. That's what that scripture is saying. So, well, and there's another point to me in that is that it also says that uh, all things work to the good of those, like like collectively. Yeah. Like, um, you know, just because something is is happening to you, it might not be about you even. No. It could be about, you know, other people, right. the good of the collective, the good of, I mean, there's more at work than just you. Right. And I think that's a lot of what, uh, what, we, what we do with a lot of these passages is we over- Focus on individualize individualize them. them yeah. Correct, and we make it all about you, right. and not about us, and not about God, yeah. and not about uh, all those who are involved. Yeah, and the, and the truth is, it is a God didn't just come down to the earth to redeem you. He came down to the earth to redeem everything. Mm-hmm. It, it was a full restoration, and so the Bible says that the, even the earth itself groans with anticipation. For, for the second coming of Jesus, right? To be everything put back in place. And so this is actually talking about, I, I believe this is talking about that, you know, that good, which is going to happen at some point in the distance. But it's not talking about our cancer today somehow <laughs> being a great thing. Okay? Right, right. That's not what this is saying at all. And so we need to be careful about our, again, our context in that. So All right. Okay, so I've got another controversial one. Bring it on. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. <laughs> Train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not soon depart from it. That's correct. Is the that act, it, it was close. <laughs> the King James Version says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. Okay. There, that means if I do everything right, David, everything right, that when my child is an adult, he won't do anything wrong. Correct. Yep, that's what that means. <laughs> I got that figured out. So you parents and who have a straight child. You're responsible. You messed it up. You messed it up. You didn't raise him up in yeah, the way you should your, your child isn't obedient because you're a, fa- you're a failed father. <laughs> you just hang it up, man. You're right. done. Okay, there's, there's several things at play here. Yeah. First off, this is a proverb. Yeah. And a lot of times we forget what proverbs are. That's right. Proverbs are not cause and effect facts. What they are are words of wisdom to apply to the things you choose to do. Amen. Okay, That's so good. Solomon is trying to give you advice. If, when given a situation, do this, it has the best outcome. outcome yep. Okay, that's what all these proverbs are, are about. Right. And, and even a lot of Ecclesiastes has the same type of thinking. It is about all of Proverbs is about training you to be a wise person. So this is right. this is Solomon sharing his experience so that he can say, "This is how you become wise." Yeah. Okay. And you can't with Proverbs, you can't put an absolutism on any exactly. Of it. And that's part of what I'm saying here yeah. is that this is not a promise no. from God or Solomon 
that if you do A, yeah. B will happen. What it's this is a proverb, which is a advice. Yeah. This is wise advice. And anybody that can I just go off on a sure tangent? sure anybody that does say that this is this is a God's promise because it's straight from the Word of God or has any mentality on the thought that well this is the infallible right, argument right, here. Right. Just take a look around you for a second and realize that if that's the truth, then your scripture is wrong. Mm. Be careful when you do that because you, anybody who's smart enough to look around them realizes that this cannot be an absolute because there are people that fail in this all the time. Right, right. So, and, we, and we just, we can't be perfect. No. But, but and here's the even bigger thing, and, and this is, this is a wordy passage in the Hebrew. I mean, it's very convoluted the way he's worded it. Yeah. Uh, and so the translate every translation kind of reads the same way that I've read. Uh, let me pull up what my uh, NCV says just to see if it's uh, similar. Trained up children to live the right way, and when they're old, they will not stray from it. Uh, yeah, I kind of disagree with the translators on that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so if you go back and you look at uh, the, the best way to understand this passage is to pull it up with an interlinear translation and look at how it's worded. Uh, what this is saying is it is not saying train a child to be a good person. Right. And when he grows old, he will remain a good person. What the original text is trying to say is is that if you train up a child in the way he would naturally go, okay? So train up a child um, in in not in the correct way, but in the way that he naturally would go when he's old, he's not going to change. Right. He's going to be the same thing he was when he was a child. So that puts a whole different spin on how this verse has often been used. So and it's real and just like most proverbs, this is a commonsensical thing. So like if this is more about not correcting a child that is uh, gone off the deep end more than anything else. So if the, so if you know you're if you're letting the child go his natural way, you're not correcting him as when he's little, when he gets old. Don't expect him to be a decent guy. He's going to be selfish and he's going to be because that's the way he naturally went as a child. Right. And so that is is really the thought behind the the the, the text. Um, obviously uh, I'm in the minority <laughs> on that, but uh, but anyway, the, the biggest thing here is that it is a proverb. Right. It is not a it's not cause and effect. A equals B. It is it is advice. Right, right. Okay. So, my next one. John 16, 23. Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, and I'll read this in the, I'll, I'll read this in the KJV. Okay. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. 
Wow, lots going on there. Oh, a ton is going on there. This entire chapter is chock full of theology. Mm-hmm. And yet what we do, or what namely the prosperity name it, claim it pastors do, is take this one little piece out of this chock full theology chapter and let's turn God into a vending machine. Make it, to, make it to mean that God, God will give us whatever we want. Lord, you said whatever we ask in your name. So in Jesus' name, I am claiming, Lord, that I will have a million dollars in my bank account by tomorrow. Those are direct, but that's a direct quote from a pastor on TV. I'm not even kidding you. I've seen <laughs> pastors say this stuff, right? And it's a disgusting. Out of context, I mean, it's a twist of scripture. Right. Uh, you have you have pastors who, and I won't call them pastors, wolves in sheep clothing, who will prey on poor, poor and and ignorant people, uh, who give their last pennies to this guy in order to get the blessing, right? <laughs> So what is that scripture meaning? Well, in order to understand this context, again, you have to go up to the the full chapter. You have to really study what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is saying that he's about to leave the disciples. He's talking to the disciples, and he's explaining to them, listen, I'm about to go away. Okay, I'm not going to be here to baby you. Either. I'm not going to be here to take <laughs> care of you like that anymore. Uh uh, I, I'm about to go away. And then he starts saying, it's because of my benefit um, that I'm going so that you can get the Holy Spirit, right. which is going to come to you. Okay, so he's talking about that. The disciples are just going, what in the world are you talking about going away? And Jesus Jesus answers them because they're mumbling to themselves. They're going, what, what are you talking about going away? He's like, listen, in a little bit, you guys are going to be weeping and mourning for me. He, of course, is talking about his crucifixion. Right. He says, and the world will be rejoicing, but remember that your weeping and mourning will soon turn to joy. And then he talks about a pregnant lady, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he says, it's kind of like childbirth. You know, when when the baby's born. It's not it's, fun. No, it's not. A, it's, a, it's a hurtful <laughs> thing. But what it happens is it ushers in a whole new era. Okay. Right. Right. So the whole point, the whole picture he's trying to paint is this entire new era of of uh, a relationship with God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? So when you're in that new relationship with God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ, you have a couple things. Number one, you have a direct access line to God the Father. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have the Holy Spirit, which is your direct access line. Right. that guides right. you and into all righteousness. What he's saying is this. In that time, you are going to need things in order to survive. Mm-hmm. During that time that you need those things to survive, the Holy Spirit is going to commune with you in what to ask me. You listen to the Holy Spirit, and in my name you ask those things to God the Father. And whatever it is, if it's in my name, in other words, according to my will, you will have those things. Right. That's the whole point of the scripture. So think about it in terms of this. The they were wondering he was giving them assurance that even though I'm leaving, it's not like I'm going to leave you helpless. Right. Anything you need from me for this work, right, will be given to you. Right. So what okay, so what does it mean 
to ask for something in Jesus's name. That's the that's one big one for me on this one. Well, it means asking according to his will. That's that's the whole point. Jesus wants this uh, to happen. Right. So it's like you go, okay, let's say that you, uh, you're a messenger, okay? Mm-hmm. And you uh, belong to a king, okay? All right. And the king sends yes, you- Yes, sire. Yes. The king sends you out and he says- <laughs> Message for you, sir. Yes. He goes, <laughs> messenger, I want you to go and be my ambassador- to this foreign land. Mm-hmm. And whatever you do in my name, it, it's as if you have the power of the king. Right. Okay. Right, right. So it's in my name. That's the whole, that's mm-hmm. what that whole thing means. To me. So does that mean that we have to say in Jesus', in Jesus name, name amen, amen at the end of our prayers? No, it does not. And I had a huge <laughs> argument over this. With my mother, who's trying to tell my nephew how to pray. Stop saying amen without saying in Jesus' name. It's hilarious, because I heard my mom, and I love my mom to death, and she listens to this, so whenever you hear this, just know I love you. I love you, Mrs. Orr. But she goes, uh, (laughs) thanks, David. She goes, uh, my nephew's praying, and he's very fervent. God, I hope that this happens, and thanks for this. And, uh, you know, just the way a, a... a heartfelt prayer. Huh? A heartfelt eight-year-old <laughs> praise, right? Right, right. And thanks the, for the candy. Yeah, thanks for the candy, all this stuff. Uh, amen. Thanks for pancakes. I know and, you did that. And his mom go, um, and, his, and his nana goes, no, 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 Tucker. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Because that's how he tells us how to pray. Right. And that is a total misunderstanding yeah, yeah. and misreading. And boy, I tell you what, this is one thing that's been hammered in my head like – I mean, this is a cultural thing. I mean, this is a traditional sure. thing across oh, yeah. tons of, of I do groups. it. I do it even now, even though I know. I do, it's, well, I do too because yeah. it's, I, it's habitual and yeah. it's and it's uh, <laughs> it almost feels wrong. I mean, it feels wrong. Right. You know, I would say it almost says it feels wrong. Yeah. not to say it, but but uh, <laughs> but the, but yeah, I like your your analogy of the messenger thing. Uh, there's another one that that I've thought of in terms of. Of what he's saying here, as far as what it means to do something in my name or to ask for something in my name, yeah. is like let's say you bought a car from a car dealership, but you couldn't make it to go pick it up when it came in. So you said, David, hey, I've already signed the papers, everything's good. Yeah. Go pick my car up for me. Okay. So I go show up and I'm like, hey, Jeremiah, I just bought this brand new uh, Mustang. And uh, he gave me his license and stuff so you would know that I'm here to pick it up. Right. And they're like, oh, okay, here you go. Now, give me the keys. Now, is the are the keys, is the car mine? Not at all. No. I asked for it in your name. It belongs to you. you yeah. It was for your purposes and for your use, not right. mine. Right. I just get to drive it home for you. Yeah. And to me, this is the exact same thing of what he's saying. Yeah. When you ask for something, if you're asking for a bunch of wealth, and things like this to heap upon yourself, yeah. that's not Jesus' will. No, not at all. And you're asking for yourself. You're not asking for it. It doesn't matter if you say in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer. <laughs> that's not If you're the... asking for it from a selfish standpoint, what is it James said? You ask and receive not because, because you, you ask wrongly. amiss. Yeah. You, you're asking for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And so I think that's what his point was. Right, and I... Uh, I go and I, I couple this with uh, Matthew 6, 
uh, the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. where Jesus is teaching the disciples <laughs> how to pray. Right. What is he doing there? He's actually teaching them what to pray for, specifically what to pray for, right? Yeah. yeah. The, your daily bit, bread, uh, forgiving trespasses as we forgive those, mm-hmm. for your kingdom to come on earth as in heaven. Uh, you're also worshiping God through that. Uh, it's a model prayer for us to pray, right? And then he goes on and he says, for whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do for you. Yeah. The whole point is, this is what I want you to pray for. Yeah. It's, not, it's not about the and, new Mercedes Benz. It's not about right. all that other stuff. It's it's what you ask for in my name, and this is my desire for you. Yeah, if you look at the things that Jesus prays for in that, they all benefit somebody else right, right? that's true so it, it all is a benefit except like, for my daily bread no it, it, dude if you don't eat you're, you're not going to live if you right. don't live you can't serve god exactly i mean so it, it's it's all about you know you know this is it is all about serving him right in, in these things so yeah okay so here's my next one second thessalonians 3 verse 6 okay um and this one says i'm in the king james again now, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Okay. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think I have to tell you... <laughs> How this verse is normally used. Yeah, it's just so, oh my God. Um, it's a command, brother. <laughs> That's right, brother. If you're going to walk disorderly, I've got to withdraw myself from you. Yeah. Once again, this is another passage that has destroyed relationships, <sighs> has pulled the church apart, and people will feel justified, and not only justified, but they feel they are doing God's will yeah. by doing it. Uh, because you disagree with somebody or or with someone's actions or with someone's interpretation of scripture or I mean there's all these things. Ask yourself this. How do you define walking disorderly? Like without context, how do you define that? You don't. It means anything that you yeah. disagree with. Right. Like if I think that that uh, you can't take a sip of wine, but you believe you can drink wine as long as you don't get drunk. And you take a sip of wine, all of a sudden, in my view, you're walking, walking disorderly. disorderly. <laughs> or, I mean, there's any number of things we can yeah, throw at this. Uh, yeah. And the problem is, then it becomes your relationship as a brother in Christ is dependent upon your sensitivities of right and wrong and your interpretation of what the scriptures teach us as in, in terms of sanctification. Right. Things that are made to help us grow. Uh, not necessarily things that are tied to salvation, right? So, um, so let's talk about okay, what is he talking about? What is walking disorderly? Well, he tells us very plainly uh, in here um, what he means specifically when he said walking disorderly. He's talking uh, in verse eleven. He says, "For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies." So, in other words, his specific situation he's talking about walking disorderly refers to those who aren't working, right? And they're idle, right. and they're just causing problems, stirring they're, up, stirring up trouble. Yeah, they're strife causers. Right yeah. now, uh, going back to the larger context of what's going on here is Thessalonica had an issue that he wrote these letters. Both of these letters contain address this issue, and the issue is 
a misunderstanding about the second coming of Christ. There were apparently people in the area that were preaching one thing that right. didn't jive with what the apostles were teaching. Right. And the, 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 the Thessalonians thought that either A, they had missed the boat, Jesus had come and they got left behind, where's <laughs> Nicholas Cage when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> Boom! That's the best ever! <laughs> okay, so they, they were either thinking that, yeah. or... They were thinking, where's Kirk Cameron? No, no. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm to- totally getting off the tracks. You're, you're totally derailed. Okay, so okay, okay so no, no. What they're what they're e- they're either thinking that they missed the boat, right, or they're concerned about the ones who had died, right? Because it's like, oh, wait a minute, we've got brothers who have died, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. What's the, 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 what's going what, to them? happen to yeah. them? And so Paul had to write this letter to deal with this, with these things. Now, as a result of this whole left-behind concern is that people, well, and in relation to that, the, the whole idea was that Jesus is, it's, it's imminent. It's right. happening in the next few days. Right. And so th- the problem was they were letting that affect their daily lives. Yeah. So like people were quitting their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jesus is coming back. Why am I busting my tail out here in the field? Right. You know, whenever we're just going to be taken away next week. Yeah. And so uh, there was this whole misunderstanding like that going on. And so a lot of these people that weren't working anymore and what they were doing is they was bumming. Yeah. Off of the people who were working. Right. And they were showing up at their, their door and saying, hey, we need some food, man. You know, can you right. can, can you spare some until uh, Jesus comes Jesus back? Jesus comes back. Yeah. And, <laughs> And so his point was, when they were in that area, they knew they were sensitive to this. And so what did they do? They worked to earn their food. Right. And so he, when he says tradition uh, here in that verse, he's talking about the example he left when he was there. He was like, I worked for my food. Right. These guys need to be working for their food. If they're not working for their food, they're worse than an infidel. Right. He, so the whole thing is about being active and lazy, and it's about being destructive in the congregation. Yeah. And so this, these people were destructive in the congregation. And so his point was, don't be an enabler. Right. So this is not a passage about disfellowshipping and or excommunicating or whatever you want to. It's about not being an enabler. If a man won't work, neither should he eat. Yeah, is what he says. So if the guy comes to your door and says, "Hey, man, can you spare some food?" The answer is no. no. Normally, whenever that happens, and it's a Christian brother or sister, you're called. To give them food and to give them rest and whatever. And Paul is making a specific declaration here in this scripture because of the what happened just what you what you just said uh, mm-hmm. because of the circumstances uh, to say no to treat them as a unbeliever. Yeah. Well, and it says uh, don't count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Right. So, but what this has done is caused enemies. Oh yeah. I mean, but but he he says here uh, he says if 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 um, oh, let's see here it says now th- them still in the King James now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread, but ye brethren be not weary in well doing. 
In other words, this is going to be tough for you because you're going to want to give them food, right? Because you love these people. And he's like, but don't don't be weary. Don't be weary in it. Yep. In it. He says, if any man obey not the word uh, by this letter, this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yeah. Now this is not saying treat him as a heathen like the other one. It's not saying cast this guy to the wolves. Right. This is saying uh, that you should. Have no company with him. Yeah. Don't give him food. Don't let him in your home. Don't don't share the make supper him, table with him. Make him work right. for his food. Yeah. So so anyway, that's my rant on <laughs> But yeah, and you've got a good point that that scripture alone is is caused so just like Amos three three is caused yeah. so much dis, disfellowship in the church. Don't make walking disorderly a blanket statement that right. you can be judge, jury, and Well, he's walking disorderly because he's doing this or that. You know, be very careful. Uh, their scripture disorderly there is basically just meaning he's causing disorder in yeah. the group. That's right. So there's specifics to that. Okay, so this is the last one I have. Okay. Uh, for uh, for us today, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I used to travel in a group that had this painted on their buses. Okay. Um, and it's, it says this basically, if my people, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Okay. So. Listen up, America. America. <laughs> no, this is not. Here's here's where we take it out and of context. I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> now, this is a great verse uh, for us to remember that we need to humble ourselves and to pray and to see God's face mm-hmm. and turn from our wicked ways. But this is not a promise from God to the country of America. Right. America is not God's chosen people. Uh, God is going to allow drought and famine and feast and whatever, whatever God wants to allow. And there's no promises held with it in America. Right. This country is not Israel. And we need to get away from that whole thought. This is a ridiculous thing to say to, uh, for instance, our president and and the Senate or whatever. And, yeah, and start I've heard, legislating the Bible and yes. God will bless us. And I've heard pastors preach this. Well, what America needs to do is Second Chronicles seven fourteen. As soon as we do that, He's going to heal all our land and He's going to make us prosper. And nowhere is that true because it's it's a promise. Number one to. Israel mm-hmm. to the chosen people of Israel. Um, now it's a promise to to those of us who are grafted on as followers of Jesus. I have no doubt about that. But we cannot blanket the United States of America with this statement and say this is what's going to happen. Because I promise you, whenever we have a revival and an earthquake happens, we're going to go. What, what about your promise? What happened here? Yeah. Right? It, it has no bearing. Well, and we talk about this a lot, but change happens in your church, in your community, and it does not happen at the governmental level. No, it doesn't. Start it at the grassroots and work it up. Yeah. Don't don't try to force it down. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, that's good. So okay, so uh, I've got just a couple more. Bring uh, them on. Matthew seven. And there's a lot we can... 
opening a can I of can, worms. I can start right with the very first <laughs> verse about judge not that you be not judged. Yeah. But I won't go there okay. because um, uh, that one's – look it up. A lot of people have, have uh, talked about this. In your life. judgment, you have decided not to. Right. Okay. The, and the only thing I'll say about, about that is uh, it is a warning. Yeah, that you will be judged how you judge. Right. So just make sure you clean your own house before trying to clean somebody else's. That was the whole point. That's the whole point. Yeah. That's that's what it's all about right. there. Uh, but 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 one that's more important for me, the one that bothers me a lot, <laughs> just get you in your car. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> and 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 that is and and even uh, man, even commentaries and all of the, they jump on this. But uh, Matthew seven and verse six says. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So, what Jesus is saying is that guy is too rough to be a Christian. You leave that guy alone. He cusses like a sailor and... Uh, he, if you just go, if you go preach to him, you'll get your tail beat. That's right. No, that is not what Jesus is saying. <laughs> Jesus is not saying pick and choose the, the good ones to go to to bring the gospel to. Yeah, this is not even talking about the gospel, in my opinion. What I think this is talking about, and this is up for interpretation because it is a strange passage and it is put in a strange place. Yeah, because when you read the context, he's talking about judgment, right? And he's and he's going on about being a hypocrite, about seeing other people's faults but not seeing your own fault. And I think part of what he's what he's talking about here is about judging people. And so <clears throat> when you judge someone who is, let's say, in the world, yeah, you look out there, someone who's not in the church, doesn't know better, hasn't read the Bible at all, and you look at that person and go, Man, them shorts are too short. Yeah. You need to cut that hair. You got them tattoos on or whatever. You start pointing fingers at people who aren't, who don't know, they're not in the kingdom. What you end up doing is holding them to the standard right. that they don't have okay, because they've never had it before. Here's why I think that this is what he's talking about. I think that's the, the dogs and the swine is talking about. That's right. It's talking about because from a Jewish standpoint, what were dogs and what were swine? Gentiles and Samaritans. Yes, they were unclean animals. <laughs> right. And it was synonymous with heathen people, yeah. pagans, people who did not hold to Yahweh's Jesus teachings. actually called a, wo- a Gentile woman uh, a, dog. a dog. Right, okay, so it was very... So he ta- him talking on the Sermon on the Mount here to a bunch of Jews, they're going to know what he's talking That's about right. when he says dogs and swine. Yeah. He's not talking about ruffians or sailors or anything else. He's talking about Gentiles. He was talking about those who don't understand God's law. Right. Now, what would be precious to the Jews? God's law. God's law. That's the that's what's holy. Right. The, so he says, don't give that which is holy to dogs. He's saying... Don't take the law and try to make those people who aren't clean obedient, obedient to, it. to it because they'll just get mad at you. Right. And think about that. When you walk up to somebody as a Christian and you and you walk up to someone who's not a Christian and you say, you need to change your life because X is wrong and Y is wrong and Z is wrong and you've got – what do they do? 
Quit judging me, brother. Immediately they turn around. <laughs> it, yeah. It, yeah, they get mad. Right. Get your Christian stuff out of my face. Yeah. I mean, so what are they doing? They're turning and rending you. Right. Right? They're not susceptible to that. They need Christ is yeah. what they need. Once they have Christ, then the Spirit will work on all these things exactly. that, that, that the law teaches that we have that we now obey through love. All those things right. come as part of sanctification. Amen. So what he what I believe he's saying here is still about judgment. It's about don't judge those people who are outside the kingdom yeah. to the same standards that you're using with the holy standards that you have. Because you're just going to cause problems, right? So anyway, that's, that's good. Okay, uh, last one that I'll I'll talk about is John uh, chapter four, and um, <clears throat> this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. <laughs> yeah. And um, John four verse twenty three in the King James says, "But the hour cometh, and now is." When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. <laughs> okay, so what does spirit and truth mean? And I think this is um, <clears throat> often used out of context because it's often used to talk about worship services. Right. And it's talking about how you worship on Sunday morning. <laughs> it must be in spirit and truth. And because of this passage. Well, if you think about it for a second, what was this conversation that Jesus is having with the woman at the well? First, <laughs> The conversation is about living water. Right, right. So the, it's about him as the Messiah. Right. And he's going to provide life and all these things. And she wants to take it down to the ritual. Yeah. She wants. She wants to say. So her. So her reaction is to say, "Oh, I see that you're a prophet. Well, our people, our Samaritan people, worship on this hilltop, which is the Gerizim, mm -hmm. I think. The while the Jewish people, your people, worship in the temple. So, which place is the right ritualistic place to worship? Correct. And Jesus, so, she, so he's, she's asking him about ritual, right? And his and his response is, you don't even know what you worship. Right. You don't even, you can't even comprehend it. We Jews at least know that there's a Messiah. Yeah. And, of course, she responds, well, yeah, I know about Messiah. And he says, that's when he reveals. I am he. Yeah, there's going to yeah. be this time when it's not going to be important whether you're in the mountain or yeah. in the, it, and I'll even take that further, that he's saying it's not about ritual. Right. I'm not talking about ritual. I'm talking about someone who will worship God in the same realm he's in, which is a spiritual realm. Well, yeah, he's changing the entire system. Yes, completely. He's coming to, to totally rearrange it. And the, the whole thought before is, I have to go to this place to worship God, period. I have to go to this place to worship God. And, and Jesus is going, now there's going to be a time, and, and now is, when you don't have to go to any place because the Holy Spirit is going to be dwelling in you within your spirit. Yes. So you have to have the Holy Spirit in order to truly worship God. Right. That's what the whole spirit part yeah. is. Yeah. So so it's a pneuma and we yeah. talked about that. Right. Are you filled with air? Are you filled with the power of this wind that's blowing through you when yeah. you worship? That's what he's after. Right. Um and but here's the big one, truth. Yeah. Truth we often we often associate what he's saying with ritual do's and don'ts. 
we look at it like, well, it must be done properly. No, that's not. If it if it, if that's the um, the exegesis of this passage, then he's contradicting himself because he's talking about you don't understand. It ain't about the place. Right. Okay. If it's not about the place, it's not about a lot of things they had going. Right. It's not about the ritual. It's about truth. And so this this word in Greek, aletheia, is 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 talking about honesty. Yeah. Do you mean it? Authentic. Man, this is like the biggest problem I've had with Israel this whole time is yeah they're going to the temple and yeah they're doing everything according to the rules we laid out before them but there's no heart in it at all. Yeah. They draw close to me with their mouth, with their their heart is far from me, yeah. and so the, you've got this problem with them not doing it honestly, right. truthfully. If you're going to go to church and or go to church, if you're going to go to assembly and and sleep or not listen or not partake, not be part of it. You're just a lump on the log. You're just there because if you're not there, you're going to get in trouble. You're not worshiping. Stay home. Yeah. Because you're not doing it in truth. That's right. It, so he's not trying to – if he was talking about it has to be done in a certain pattern and a certain way, he would have given her the pattern in the way. Right. But he didn't. Right. He, he stopped the conversation after this. Wouldn't her question – should it have been, well, okay – what what's the truthful way to worship? Then? Well, and when you look at the here's the key that I think ties us all together. When you look at the woman at the well and what she's trying to do here to begin with, it really ties it back in. What Jesus does is he brilliantly brings it back into uh, focusing on the woman. Okay, right, right. So the woman is she she goes oh, I I've got to distract him by asking him this question to make him think that you know I'm highfalutin right and what does he do there's going to be a time when people worship me in spirit and in and in truth or in authenticity are you being mm. authentic right mm. now are you really who you are right are you putting on this front are you playing this game are you being I'm not married this hypocrite <laughs> I'm not married and what does it do it really opens her up to see who she is and opens uh, her up to see who he is right and when that happens bah, which that needs to happen to all of us right and that will drive our worship that's right whenever we are authentic in who we are and then who Jesus is true worship truly happens because I love uh, a Rich Mullins quote, you know, if your sin is little, your God is little. Mm -hmm. But if your sin is great, your God must be great. And the point of that is not to glorify sin, but to say when you truly realize who you are and then what God has done for you, that leads you, that spurns you on to true, authentic worship. And, yeah. and so that's, you know, that's what that whole scripture is about. It has nothing to do with dogma. Right, right, and I agree. Okay, so, well, that about wraps up everything we had going. It so, does. <laughs> doesn't it? So, you know, here at the Theonauts, we are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, and uh, we're using new media to go in, into, the, into the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more and to partner with us, you can go to GCT, gctnetwork.com and subscribe to the newsletter there and find out about all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. There are several ways to contact us and to leave us feedback. Send us an email to the Theonauts at the GTT. 
<laughs> the gctnetwork.com. Or call us on our voicemail line. We haven't got any of that in no, a while. No, we need some. Yeah, so talk to us at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast portal. And don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Yeah, so tweet to us on, on Twitter using at the Onautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. And don't forget to tune in next week to explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right. Thank you very much, Jeremiah. Thanks, David. God bless y'all. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. Give me some steady talk. Steady talk. This is Jeremiah KKRD 107.3 playing out the jams from yesterday to today. We got a little bit of boys to men coming your way. Oompa Loompa Loompa. Uh, a little bit of uh, 